This podcast is brought to you by Wendy Lowen, the co-author of a new book entitled The Culture Question, How to Create a Workplace Where People Like to Work. Please listen to podcast number 696, where Wendy and Greg speak about the challenges employers face today in improving the engagement of their workforce. The Culture Question helps employers faced with these issues by creating an aligned culture through providing sound advice from the team of experts at Achieve Center for Leadership and Workplace Performance. For more information on the book, please visit their website at www.achievecenter.com. Please enjoy podcast number 696 with author Wendy Lowen, where she discusses her new book, The Culture Question. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I want to thank all of my listeners who listen from around the world and have been supporting Inside Personal Growth consistently for years and years and years. We've been on the air for 15, uh, 13 years, and I want to just thank all of you for your comments and coming back to the website. Uh, I want to mention this, Luke. We're now hosted on seven platforms. We're on Google Music. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. And we are on my platform, Inside Personal Growth. And today, joining me from San Diego, and this is a great way to start the new year, um, I've known Luke for many, many years, not intimately, but I do know of his work. And he has a website, lukedepron.com, and Live Great Lifestyle is another one. And I always think people at the beginning of the year, Luke, are looking to Oh, shift their habits, right? We're going to be talking about some of those habits and goals that people might have with relation to their health. Um, good day to you, Luke. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm excited to be on here and appreciate you uh, letting me come on and uh, share some insights. Well, we appreciate it. And most of my authors, as Luke knows, are books, have books. But Luke has something to share that I think is very valuable. And his knowledge and expertise around fitness um, is really excellent. He's been coaching people for many years. He is a local fitness coach, but yet his reach is nationwide. And Luke is an online health and fitness coach within itself is a little bit unusual. And he's the host of the Live Great Lifestyle podcast. His mission is to help busy entrepreneurs improve their physique fitness, health, and energy using sustainable exercise and lifestyle strategies so they can look, feel, and live their life to their greatest potential. And there are lots of people that like doing this, trainers and people that are out there. Um, But I believe that Luke has a message and has something he wants to share, and he's extremely passionate about what he does. So invited him on Inside Personal Growth. Now, Luke, you know, we, we all get involved in exercise, you know, and it'd be nice to know a little bit about your story. We only have 30 minutes. So um, tell our listeners, if they would, a little bit about your background and how you came upon becoming not only just a trainer, but an online health and fitness coach. Sure. So uh, like many people, I was interested in fitness growing up playing sports and then I went to school for kinesiology and really wanted to bring that passion of helping people uh, and fitness together 
which led down that traditional path of, of doing some personal training. And then I had a unique situation happen where I actually got injured and suffered a low back injury to where I couldn't walk for about six days. That was really a turning point for me uh, because I had to seek out chiropractic and physical therapy care, which then led to some very unique uh, mentorship. And I got to actually work in a rehab studio here in uh, San Diego. And that really helped carve my, or, you know, cut my teeth and give me a different perspective than I think most trainers. And uh, what I learned in that instant was, instance was the importance of biomechanics, which is essentially learning how to get our bodies to move um, correctly. And I hate to say it, most quote-unquote personal trainers just don't get that level of, of mentorship um, through, you know, your, your traditional educational uh, route. So that was, you know, the introduction to um, this idea of moving better and not just moving more. However, I then realized there's this other piece, and it's how do we get people to do what they need to do, which is where shifting to an online model occurred. And what I found is, you know, the in-person personal training, although it is good for certain people, the focus of that really should be about biomechanics, meaning helping educate someone's body on how to move correctly. But once you've gotten that piece down, it's time to then step out on your own. And that's really where the online side came is. I saw all sorts of clients, um, not just in my coaching practice when I was doing personal, more personal training, but others, that clients didn't have that much success. And what I found was that in-person model sometimes pacifies people. They start to mm -hmm. check the box that mm -hmm. they've followed their personal trainer, where moving to an online coaching model really allows people to step in and uh, take more control, build a little more autonomy. And to me, it leads to more of that lasting lifestyle transformation where you are in full control of your health and fitness, and it does require a little bit more growth out of the person. Yeah. And, and I think Luke, you know, as the beginning of the year starts off, a lot of people set resolutions, they set goals, they set intentions, they have affirmations, whatever you want to call them. And usually as the people will say, they're broke those within the first, you know, seven days of the new year. Now we're into February now. And I happen to be listening to James Clear. He wrote a book called Atomic Habits. And mm -hmm. Atomic Habits is an interesting approach to this. And I know you know this as well, that, you know, that our amygdala, it just goes and it defaults back again. It goes, okay, well, I don't like change so much. What would you tell people who are trying to make these changes and sustaining those changes so that they can improve their health and fitness, their weight. But also, look, there's a whole mental side to this, and it's probably bigger than the physical side. What are you going to tell them? Um, yeah, I would agree with that. It is a huge, the mental side is a huge piece. Um, I'm a fan of James's work. I have not read that book yet, but um, I do know of him and his, his work online. Um, to me, from, from the mindset, it really starts with adopting the growth mindset. Um, this is something, you know, personally I've been exposed to. I didn't really think that I actually dealt with having a more of a fixed mindset. And, and for someone who doesn't know, you know, the growth mindset is this idea that we can essentially adapt and change. And it's really crucial to come into this approach um, of tackling, you know, your health and fitness with the idea that you can improve, that you can take on new habits, that you can take on new behaviors, that you can, you know, develop new routines. And if, and if you don't approach it from that place, you ultimately are going to default back. 
I do think there's always going to be speed bumps along the way. It's never a smooth process. Um, but if you don't approach it with that initial belief that you can actually become someone who is consistent in exercise, become someone who actually learns to maybe like more vegetables, um, maybe come, become someone who doesn't uh, eat as much processed foods. If you don't start with that you know, underlying belief that it's possible, you're kind of dead in the water. And I'd agree with you. And I think that, you know, along that line, a lot of listeners out there um, are, I wouldn't say chained to a desk, but they probably feel like it. And they're at these desks long period of time. I happen to be uh, speaking with you from an electric desk that goes up and down. And I try to spend as much time as I can standing, which I am right now. And I think that that's really important. So what, I mean, we know some of the statistics. Um, What are some of the tips that you would give our listeners who, hey, they do computer jobs, they have to sit at a desk, uh, they don't always get the opportunity to get up as often as possible or as they would like. Are there any things that you can do that would be great tips for them um, to guide them through these times where they're just sitting in that chair and they're stuck. Yeah. And, th- you know, this is an area I am uh, quite passionate about, again, because of the background in doing more, you know, detailed biomechanics work. So I think there was a study, in, and I'm going to butcher the time. It might have even been like 2015 that it came out where it, it made all the headlines saying that sitting is the new smoking. And I don't know if you remember this or not. Um, and it talked about sitting and the problem of sitting from a being sedentary standpoint. And true, that's a problem. Um, but from my perspective, and again, looking at it from the biomechanics side, I actually have more of a concern that what happens um, to the fascial system and essentially this elastic collagen uh, tissue that's in our body when we spend all day in these set uh, positions, it actually is going to start to change how we move. And, you know, a very typical pattern that we could talk about, and I think everyone here can picture, would be that person with the forward rolled shoulders and their head sticking out forward. So there's actually some mechanical um, ramifications that come from sitting at a desk that we do want to address, and we can do that through smart exercise. So if you're someone who's trapped at a desk, you probably don't need to do tons of pressing exercises, things like you know, a, a 30-day push-up challenge is probably the worst thing you can do if you sit at a desk, which I hate to say I see a lot of you know, corporate offices doing these types of things. And uh, you know, we want to take a smart approach where if we sit at a desk, we have to address opening up the hips with some hip stretching, and we need to absolutely focus on some hip extension exercises, like things like split squats and single leg RDLs that are going to engage more of the posterior chain, like the glute muscles, the hamstrings. Um, that's some basic stuff. As far as the day-to-day life-to-life things, if you're someone who is working in a, even in corporate, um, and they're not providing you a stand-up desk, it would absolutely be worth the two to four hundred dollars that you may personally have to invest to bring a stand-up desk that just goes on top of your existing um, work situation you know that may seem like a big investment but if this is something that you're truly going to be tied to for the next 10 or 15 years you want to be able to break that cycle of sitting for eight hours there's just really no way around that so breaking it up a bit and being able to do some things with your legs is what it sounds like, uh, exercises with your legs and things that you could do maybe just even at the desk, right? Well, I mean, that's the one that it'd be nice to say there's some things we could do at the desk and, you know, there's, I will give a, 
and I, I know we talked about a, a resource to give away. I'll give an additional one that highlights some of these specific exercises and stretches. Uh, stretches. Um, there's not a whole lot really that you can do while sitting at, at the chair. Um, you know, there's a few postural things that you can do as far as flipping over your hands to pull the shoulder blades down and back and, and do some chin retractions. But ultimately, if you are stuck at a desk for eight hours a day, week on end, there's going to likely be some mechanical um, problems with that. And that leads to d dysfunctional positioning. It's just, uh, <laughs> I hate to say it, there's no, there's no great way of getting around it outside of breaking it up and then being proactive with some exercise strategies. And what is the significant difference? I remember this study being done. I don't, like you said, I don't know if it's 2015, but for people that stand at a desk or at least try and stand uh, three to four hours of their day versus eight hours of their day. You know, I, I don't. And and again, when I, you know, read through that study and, and saw those articles that came out, it was addressing a different piece of that and really focusing on the fact that people are sedentary. Um, I don't know what the statistics on that would be. Um, you know, obviously outside of the, the work environment, getting out and enjoying, you know, walks and hiking and being active and just and living that lifestyle is, of course, going to help combat some of that week to week grind that, that is going to occur if you sit at a desk all day. Um, again, my approach or what I'm seeing is more, again, the mechanical uh, impact of spending all that time at the desk. Okay. There's some dysfunctional patterns that are going to occur because of that. Yeah. And I think what happens is we take these patterns on the longer that we sit at the desk or whatever. And the reality is they then become much more difficult to break. And that leads me to a question around nutrition. You know, we're all off to a new year here. Um, we're obviously in February, but it's still not even the end of the first quarter. Um, people are looking at all of these various applications that they can get, or they've got a Fitbit, or they've got a Garmin, or they've got an iWatch. You know, the point is, yep. is that it's it's counting calories, it's counting steps, it's measuring, and I'm not always certain, um, Luke, that it's measuring, and not, and I won't say it this way, what matters, but the reality is, do we really need to focus that much on that, or do we need to focus more on movement? One and two really portion sizes, gratitude, forgiveness, things that'll make our mental mind shift. And they have done studies. I'm doing some work for uh, Mayo Clinic right now that shows that these activities, uh, the 12 habits of healthy people, actually lead to people losing weight without doing all that other stuff. Um, comment if you would, please. Yeah, you know, so I'm not a huge proponent of, you know, counting calories, um, at this point in my life, I don't even track or personally plan workouts because it's just kind of part of what I do. I do think in the beginning for many people, it's case by case basis. Um, the idea for me to track calories would be absolutely overwhelming, um, brings a level of its own anxiety. I, you know, I'm not a big math guy and figures guy. I'm not excessively organized. So that just brings a level of anxiety that I don't personally need wrapped around food. For someone else, it might bring a level of accountability. Um, I do think there's an educational component that comes with making some dietary shifts and not realizing, wow, that Cinnabon roll had, you know, 1300 calories in it. And so if, you know, doing a food journal for a few weeks, bring some awareness to that. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, wow, that, that, that 
dietary choice really did stop me from losing uh, weight this week, then there's some benefit. But overall, yeah, I think, you know, moving into more principles and philosophies of eating and uh, having that emotional awareness is probably the, the, the long haul approach. I don't see anyone who's going to have long-term success thinking that they have to, you know, track and measure and weigh every single thing they eat. I think that seems absolutely crazy. This podcast is brought to you by David Dibble, the author of a new book entitled The New Agreements for Leaders. Please listen to podcast number 694, where David and Greg discuss the four new agreements for leaders, managers, and coaches, as well as the seven simple tools designed to develop emerging leaders and managers, which is key to growing excellent organizations. The four new agreements, which are number one, find your higher purpose for work. Number two, grow and serve your people. Number three, lean into the core problems. And number four, pursue mastery. Although they're quite simple, it requires consistent diligence to integrate them into the way you and your people lead and manage. Still, it's well worth the investment. You can expect ROIs of 3x to 10x year one, along with much more engaged people. Join David and Greg as they have a very lively discussion about these four new agreements and how they can change your profit, performance, and purpose. Please listen to podcast number 694 with author David Dibble as they discuss the new agreements for leaders. You can also go to www.thenewagreements.com for more information about this book. Thank you for listening. And I'm and I'm going to agree with you on all of that. And I know that in my book, I talk about mindsets and we did touch on it briefly. And I did say that um, most people this time of year uh, and prior to now have established some affirmations. They've established some goals. They've established um, whatever it is, but they don't always have those proximal goals, right? The short term, shorter term goals. Mm-hmm. They'll just say, well, I want to lose 30 pounds this year. And there is sure. nothing really broken down about that. And it is this mindset, uh, which is so important to make the transformation. And you hear these miracle stories. They're on the doctors or they're on Weight Watchers or they're on all of these various ones. What would you recommend to our listeners out there today that have struggled um, not only with late weight loss, but with nutrition. If you were to give them, I know you, in a minute, we're going to talk about your 15 tips, but what are those tips? Well, if you're struggling with nutrition, I do think, you know, you mentioned a word, I think forgiveness earlier. And I think that's a really important one um, for people to think about because when you look from the outside looking in, it's, it can be quite overwhelming. There's all these different diets. But what people don't understand is without addressing the processed food, to me, that's the big elephant in the room. And I see a lot of people that try to take this all or nothing approach. Um, You know, I myself recommend a paleo-ish diet. It's a very easy framework to start thinking about eating unprocessed foods, you know, lots of vegetables and and meats. But the reality is, you know, there's going to be a birthday party. There's going to be cake. Um, There might be a night where you want a beer or a glass of wine. There's times to celebrate. And I think this all or nothing mentality that people take, it really sets them up for failure. Because again, if you look into how processed foods are manufactured, they're hyper palatable. The marketing is insane. It's always in your face. And the reality is you'll probably indulge and you may find yourself overindulging occasionally. 
And if you don't practice a level of, forget, of forgiveness there, um, that's where I see the derailment. That's where people fall off the tracks and all of a sudden, oh, man, oh, well, I had one cookie. I might as well have five. And we really have to break that cycle thinking uh, that it is this all-or-nothing approach or that one bad day of dieting is going to you know, ruin everything because it's absolutely not the case. And I think that's important to remind the listeners of is if they fall off the wagon one day, the key is to get back on the next day, that it isn't going to kill the diet. It isn't going to change things in the long run. Um, and you just don't want to do it frequently. So let's look at how you work with your clients versus, you know, trainers. Um, most people are used to, you know, Luke, going into the gym and signing up for a trainer or having someone at one of the more private clubs coach them on how to exercise, help them with their reps and walk through it. You've now moved this to an, from an in-person to an online coaching basis. What are the benefits for your clients and clients list that potential clients that are listening about doing this online versus having you right there leaning over their shoulder? Well, so again, the in-person trainer definitely still has value. And the person I would really recommend that to is, you know, a person who needs a level of corrective exercise if they have injuries or someone who, you know, I still work with, uh, again, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs who are avid exercisers, but they want to optimize the process and we bring an extremely detailed eye to, again, their biomechanics to just ensure that they're getting the most out of those movements. So there's definitely this value of going into someone who, um, you know, has experience with things like weightlifting to refine your form and your biomechanics so you do maximize the time doing those exercises. However, if you are someone who the only way that you find yourself willing to exercise is if that trainer is over you, I think you are really limiting yourself from the value of stepping into this, this practice and this process because there's a lot more that can be, you know, uh, gained from it. You get to build confidence. You get to, uh, you know, step into this, this idea that you are personally responsible for your health and wellness and to level it up under your accord. Now, you need some accountability with that. You do need some direction. And that's where I'm finding the online side kind of bridges that gap from accountability, um, still being able to do some biomechanic corrections through videos, but it forces you to kind of step up and say, you know, I'm going to take control of my health and fitness, not put it in someone else's hands completely. Well, it is all about us. I mean, in the end, no matter who it is, it's coaching you. And we do need that inspiration. We need that person there. Um, that's why somebody hires a coach like yourself uh, is to make sure that that they can have somebody there to encourage them on during those tough times too. Now, you have a podcast yourself called Live Great Lifestyles Podcast. Um on that show, you interview people, but tell our listeners about it and where they can go to listen to this podcast so that they can learn more about what it is you do, how you do it, and so on. Sure. So, uh, you know, I started this podcast out of the idea of bringing on not just health and fitness experts, but people in my mind who are, you know, living their life to its greatest potential. I've had Navy SEALs on, I've had uh, ex-UFC fighters, and really dropping into the mindset of, I guess, success and what um, drives them and, you know, tips and strategies. And I keep it very loose. I like to get the authentic version of people. Um, and, and it's really, you know, I hope someone who listens to it is able to take some 
some actionable tips, get inspired. Um, you know, I just my my most recent guest was a psychotherapist, and again, we talked all sorts of that the mindset stuff to to make these changes dietarily and and uh, from a fitness standpoint. But I have a guy coming on today that just ran across the United States. I mean, he ran from I think Portland to he's a buddy to Santa Monica, California. And uh, you know, when you hear a story like his, you're going to walk away thinking, "Wow, what have I limited myself on?" I mean, if you have someone who can run across the United States, the idea that someday you can tackle a 5K obviously becomes much more uh, manageable. So, you know, a blend of tactical information and hopefully lots of inspiration. That is exceptional to get those kind of stories because those are inspiring stories. I know we hear them, but we don't often take in the essence of that, which is, you know, they're breaking down that goal into smaller little pieces, right? That's usually the success for most people. And it's like you said, you don't have to be able to run a marathon every day. Um, The reality is if you could walk 10 to 20 miles a day, and if all you had to do was walk it, um, you would ultimately get there, right? So yeah. yeah, and it's just a matter of getting up and doing it and committing to it. And that is the big thing. Now, you had shared with me before we came on the air, that you had some resources you'd like to share with the people listening today and some giveaways. Um, what are the, you have one called the 15 tips and for my listeners, you can get that at Luke Depron and that's L U K E D E P R O N forward slash 15. Correct, Luke. Uh, um, so it'll be Luke Depron.com forward slash 15. Okay. Dot com forward slash 15. <clears throat> what are some of those tips that you're going to give away uh, when they go to download that? Um, so, you know, this is broken up into, there's some physical, uh, mental and nutritional tips. Uh, you know, a basic example is there's a very easy exercise to help reset proper posture. Um, this is kind of a key concept video that I use with all my in-person or on online clients. Again, if you sit at a desk, this is something that you could uh, stand up and do throughout the day to help kind of uh, mitigate some of those, uh, you know, postural dysfunctions that are happening at the desk. Um, I have a couple good nutritional resources that kind of just break down, you know, some very simple, simple things, uh, you know, bring a little light to what a paleo diet can look like, even tips to just outsource your meals. You know, if you're someone who's truly time strapped and, you know, a few resources on where you can do that. Um, And then we have some mindset stuff. Um, some a couple book recommendations, a couple TED talks that uh, that will help put your you know you in the right mental state to make those adjustments. Because um, like you said, we all have these big tangible goals, but it's like how do we get ourselves in a position to actually go after them? And and some of this uh, some of the mindset stuff I think will help do that. And I always think that having resources like this is so valuable because even though he's given you 15 resources it may only take one resource to kind of kick it off. And I know that oftentimes people comb the internet uh, to get this. What Luke has done is he's consolidated this into one little downloadable PDF um, with some URLs that uh, everybody could go to. I'd encourage you all to take advantage of that and go to his website as well. It's Luke Depron, L-U-K-E, D-E-P-R-O-N.com. And there you will see some of the success stories. Right away, what shows up is people that Luke have been working with and the success stories that are that are there that have been told. Um, it's exceptional. 
Luke, it's been a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth and having you spend a little bit of time speaking with our listeners about your approach to fitness and how you can help them. Are there any parting words that you'd have for the listening audience today that would really give them an opportunity to kind of jumpstart their new year or jumpstart their diet program or their exercise program or just their mindset itself as it relates to this? Um, yeah, you know, I think my, my parting words would be this. When you go online right now, which is where a lot of people are, you know, receiving information, you're going to see two sides of the coin when it comes to health and fitness. You're going to see the extreme side because it's very marketable on things like Instagram and YouTube of people doing very extreme exercise programs. And then you're going to see the flip side of the seven-day P-Detox, both of them promising extreme results, one with very little work, one with extreme effort. The reality is the place you want to be is right in the middle because that's what's going to give you lasting, sustainable change. Um, it's just not as marketing and sexy to you know, put that online. Um, so don't think that you have to do a program called Insanity, but don't buy into the idea that you're going to do something in seven minutes. So there is some middle ground. Start small. Um, again, adopt that growth mindset where you believe that outcome is a reality for you and you absolutely can get there. Awesome tip. Awesome tip, uh, Luke. And again, for my listeners, we've been on with Luke Dupron. Uh, Luke is a exercise. Can I call you an exercise physiologist or would that be? Yeah, a- I have a kinesiology degree. Yep. Okay. A kinesiologist, as well as uh, someone who coaches people. He does it online. Uh, Luke has some resources for you at lukedepron.com. Please go there and take a look. This is a great way to kick off your new year and get a unique and uh, different approach to just over your overall well-being. Let's just put it that way because there's so many elements to your well-being. It's what you eat. It's what you think. It's the time you take to meditate. It's the mindfulness. But really, Luke approaches this from a well-being standpoint. And Luke, uh, pleasure having you on and pleasure speaking with you for a few minutes to our listeners about this. Um, Thanks for listening to Inside Personal Growth. And Luke, have a wonderful rest of your day. Greg, I appreciate the time and bringing me on. This podcast is brought to you by Cameron Mitchell, the founder of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants and the author of a new book entitled, Yes is the Answer, What is the Question? How Faith in People and a Culture of Hospitality Built a Modern American Restaurant Company. Please listen to podcast number 693 with Cameron and Greg as they discuss the importance of knowing that your employees are the most important part of any successful business. Cameron has a little red book that all employees get and train with when they join the team. In this book are the core values and five pillars of success for the Cameron Mitchell restaurant chain. Please listen to podcast number 693 and go to www.cameronmitchell.com to learn more about his book and Cameron's philosophy for success. Thanks for listening.